0: This is JFM Podcast. A beautiful morning to you, then. Thank you so much for choosing J101.9 FM. You're on to the show. Let's talk your social, political, political, and current affairs show right here. On J One Point Nine FM. Today is a good day. Today is the sixteenth of October, twenty twenty-three. It's a Monday, and um, it's a good day to have a lot of conversations. And um, but before we we get into the nitty-gritties and all of that, I just I just saw a comment right now, and on a lighter note, the person said, um, "I'm happy." Yes, I'm going to take it again. He says happy birthday to everyone celebrating their birthday today. He says, smell like Abigail's perfume, and I just want to say that, um, I know I told you people that we started a new cologne business, it's smell like love and money, and, um, you, know, you, don't, take, you don't take me serious. Udukudi, kudi. and so yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what the perfume is about, well, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good day. Um, we we're joined by two people, but we'll begin the conversation with the doctor right here before we get into the meat of the discussion, but, um. It's a good day to look again at uh, the plethora of Nigeria's problems. It's a good day again to relinquish on their promises. It's a good day to take our minds back to some of the things that have been said to Nigerians and see if the government have been able to keep track of that. And also, it's also a good day to also just talk about your eyes, talk about you, talk about because it's someone who is well that can actually live in a country, someone whose mind or whose eyes are functioning, whose hands and feet are functioning, that would be able to stay in a country. Um, this morning, we're joined by Dr. Barakat David Lass, who is a medical director of Jordan High Hospital. A lovely morning to you, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so
0: much. It's, it's good to have you. you were at the office uh, over the weekend, and, mm-hmm. and you spoke to us about the importance of caring for your eyes in the workplace. and. Um, There's something that's really fundamental. Not a lot of people take into cognizance um, caring for the body. Generally, not a lot of people take that into cognizance. You have a headache, we just take um, a painkiller and we're good to go. Sometimes it might be an underlying condition. Um, I want to ask you, how important is it for us to really care for not just our eyes, but every part of our body?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. The... You you rightly said it. It's um, it's the person who is well that can go about doing good generally. Um, if you are unwell, there's um, it's not it's not possible to do good in this life. Mm. If you are not well, it's not possible to live well. So um, the, the the body needs to be in 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 a good state for you to achieve your potentials in life. The body needs to be in a good shape for you to um, offer meaningful service to. To yourself and mm. to the society at large, so it, it's good to have a, uh, um, a healthy body so that you you, you can fulfill the potentials that this life offers for you.
2: Mm.
0: All right, then let's talk about the eyes, which mm. is uh, one a very very vital part of the body. Uh, a lot of people, not I wouldn't say a lot of people, it is vital because without it you cannot see. Yeah. And how, how important is it for us to care for our eyes? We, we, we think, um, not really, I won't say we think, but we know it's a part of our body, but yes. sometimes we pay little or no concern to it. it yes. uh, how, how important is it?
1: The eye is actually the window through which we see um, the world. Mm. Um, without the eye, we are not, uh, not fulfilling this life. It's, mm-hmm. it's the window through which we see and appreciate things is the window through which we value things is the window through we we generally see everything um, um, there's an adage in our side that says ido shine mutum what's saying is that we are as good as our eyesight yes if our eyesight's are good we are good if our eyesight's are bad we are we are full of, full of darkness so it's 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 very important that we care for our eyes it's very very important that we care for our eyes because um, without the eye we basically can't function in this life it is the eye that helps us to see. It is the eye that helps us to appreciate. It is the eye that helps us to attach meanings to things in life. So without it, basically, um, it's, it's a very, very frus- frustrating, unfulfilled life mm. um, without good
0: eyesight. So since we're talking about good eyesight, yes. how can one care for their eyes? The yeah.
1: um, y- y- you've alluded to the fact that we generally wait until we have a problem before we, we, we begin to seek for help. Um, it is better to prevent yeah. than to cure. Um, so, f- uh, and it's so for the eye as well. Mm. I, it is good that we go for um, routine exams of the eye, um, even when you think you're well. Even when I think I am seeing very well, it's good mm. to go and say, um, "Help me confirm that I'm seeing well. Help me confirm that my assumptions are right," mm. because there are a lot of. Um, diseases of the eye that usually will not present with any problem in the early stage of it. And so we go about um, walking and seeing, thinking that we are well, but we are not well. So general routine exams. The other one is what we call screening. Mm -hmm. Screening is usually tailored towards, I think I have a problem, or I think there's a family history of a problem. I think um, I have a disease that might have an effect on the eye. I want to be screened to find out whether I am at risk for this. Mm -hmm. So if there's a family history of blindness, if there's a family history of glaucoma, it is good to come and ask the doctor to screen and see whether I am at risk for it because a family member has that. If there is a chronic disease, hypertension, diabetes, um, arthritis, these are chronic diseases that can have implications on the eye, people should also come and say, okay, look, I have this disease, it has potentials for damage to the eye, and I need to be screened for it. Um, these are things that we can do. And apart from that, generally anything we do to, to improve health will actually also um, preserve our eyesight. So exercise, good sleep, good food, um, um, all of that. Will generally help preserve our eyesight.
0: Mm, all right, um, for for people who I I, I want to say probably low income earners, um, one of the things that we have we've come to see, especially when it has to do with eyes and the medication for eyes, is the expenses in purchasing a, 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 a medicated um, glasses to where It is really expensive. How then can they be factored into this so that they also? get the proper treatment that they can get and also also be able to permit me mean to say see mm. properly yeah the avenues through which people can access
1: good health mm-hmm. um, one of it is what um, um, we are practicing in this country that's through health insurance mm. um, health insurance um, initially was just for those in the pub- public space but now there are also um, private privately organized health insurances okay. um, a group where people can come as a community Um, and say we want to purchase health for ourselves Mm -hmm. and approach the HMOs and create health insurance through which people can access health. So through the health insurance, for those who are working um, in the formal work, for those who are in private work, um, you can organize and get um, um, health care. Apart from that, generally anything that is good is expensive in this life. Mm. Um, If we must live good, we must learn to expand on it too. Um, there are, they are in, in some societies, there are um, organizations that help um, to, to either subsidize for health or mm-hmm. take care of health for those who um, cannot pay for it. Um, and so there are p- philanthropic organizations. There are people who can come out and say, look, I want to vote certain amount of money for my constituency. I want to vote certain amount of money for my village. I want to vote certain amount of money for my area where I live. Yes. So that people who cannot access health um, can benefit through this. So philanthropic um, organizations, people who can do that for other people, um, the health insurance uh, avenues through which people can access health uh, and take care of themselves.
0: All right. Uh, before I hand you over to my colleague, uh, my last question has to be, you've mentioned, we've talking, uh, spoken about the care. Yes. Um, are there all t- Environmental factors that can predispose one to coming down with an eye eye infection or or an eye issue.
1: Yeah, the environment plays a lot of um, place in our health, mm. um, um, and so um, things like um, for the eye, things like exposure to ultraviolet r- light. Mm. So if you are an outdoor person whose work is mainly in the sun, the risk is there that. The, the environment can pose that to you. Um, there are also seasons in, in, in our in our environment where we are prone to eye health. Um, dusty seasons like um, the hamatan, these are environmental factors that can can predispose us to eye health. Dryness, so people who live in the north, um, in dry terrains, are more likely to have eye issues than those who live in the rainforest in the south of Nigeria. Mm, so there are environmental factors also that can play um, a role in, in in our eye health. And that's, and that's why the workplace, too, where we are exposed to certain environmental factors mm. from our workplace, dust, um, sand, um, if we work with all of these chemicals and fumes, um, are, these are factors
3: that can also affect our eyes. All right, so, um, I know we have a few, few minutes left. Um, <laughs> last year, the, the Nigerian Optometric Association said that we have about fifty million Nigerians who have one eye problem or the other. Yes. Now, like you mentioned before, um, healthcare in Nigeria is not particularly the best in yes. terms of uh, um, eye care. What are some of those things we can do as a people to protect our eyes? And I, I know I one time like that. Personal experience. Personally, to eat a lot of carrots because it helps my eyes. I like that. Ah. I don't know. <laughs> so, what are the kind of meals, food, we should be eating yes. to help us, you know, improve our eyesight?
1: Yes, foods like um vegetables, fruits.
3: How um, does the how, how does eating foods help your eye? As, as for example, I cannot see you. Yes. If I not eat foods, we I able to see you? Yes. I don't understand. No, no, no. It's um,
1: it's it, it helps preserve the eye. Okay, it to helps preserve preserve the eye. Yeah, and then oh, okay. um, for eyes that are developing, you know, when we are born in life, our eyes are not fully developed. So it takes about 20 to 23 years after birth that the eyes become fully matured. (laughs) So, I see, for (laughs) example, I
3: got this fever now. The eyes have (laughs) not good yet. The (laughs) eyes are still growing. They are up to 23, 24. So, the eyes are still developing. Yes. When you say develop, what do you mean exactly?
1: Yeah, it means one, because um, the eye is learning to focus, learning to. See things, and the tissues in the eye are also developing at that point. You know, some of our tissues are fully developed at birth, but the eye is not. In mm-hmm. complexity and in functioning, it takes the next twenty to twenty-three years after birth. So, in that phase where the eyes is developing, the eye needs a lot of nutrients to continue to develop. If mm-hmm. you deprive it of appropriate nutrients, it will not develop. Okay. If you deprive it of appropriate stimulation from seeing, the eyes will s- be stunted in terms of developing so in that 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 period where we are developing it is very very necessary that we eat well that we expose our eyes well to seeing that we stimulate the eyes well to continue to develop and function properly
3: what, what are some of those foods? you mentioned fruit you mentioned in vegetables food, are there any other yeah. like local food that we eat so for, 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 for example you yes. might just give back to a child yes. um, what are some of those meals she can give a child to help um, the child's eyes develop properly
1: like I said Let me just be general. Any natural food that is red. That is red. Any natural food that is yellow in color. Any natural food that is green. So, any vegetable that is green. So, instead of taking white gari, take yellow gari.
3: (laughs) <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> I knew instead it I it was those guy I used to eat that custard. <laughs> you you knew it. <laughs> I knew it. let me see yellow girl instead. You, you, you <laughs> not eating, tell me instead
1: of eating white maize, take the yellow maize mm. okay. instead of uh, so things like that that are naturally yellow, things that are natural instead of granite oil, take palm oil mm. these are, these are, instead of um, um white, yellow, take the yellow, yellow, mm. things like that. so opt for things that are yellow, naturally opt for things that are green green naturally opt for things that are red. red. Okay. Generally, they will help with the eyes.
0: All yeah. right. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Baraka <laughs> <laughs> David Last, for coming on the show. He is the medical director of Jordan Eye Hospital right here in the city of We Thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Thank you for thank that. Thank you for having me. The conversation will continue with uh, Mr. Victor Meshak. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is Let's Talk on your Good radio station, J101.9 FM. And today is a good day to look at, uh, well, the rising cost of our governance, the promises that have been made to us. The promises, I don't know if we're standing on promises anymore or we're just standing on God. beg and hoping that things get better at the end of the day. Well, Nigeria's debt continues its unprecedented ascends while the cost of governance takes no break in its bloating journey. Now, the recent news of the legislative arm getting new SUVs coupled with the continuous appointments of new ministers and SSAs have led Nigerians wondering what the future hoods. Today, we will be looking at that. And we're asking you on the show this morning, how can Nigeria escape bloated cabinets and unnecessary government spending? And how prudent should government be to have your confidence in their economic plan? And just today, uh, one of the headlines this morning, the federal government may spend 3.27 trillion naira on palliatives and loan. And the total spending by the federal government on palliatives and loan to cushion the effect of the few subsidy remover may hit that amount. Now, the palliatives and loans were meant to cushion the effects of economic hardships on Nigerians and businesses following the removal of fuel subsidies and skyrocketing consumer prices due to high inflation. Now, these palliatives include $100 naira to acquire 3,000 units of 20 sister CNG fuel bosses and $200 naira to boost agricultural Production 75 billion for manufacturers, 125 billion Naira for micro, small, and medium sized enterprises and the informal sector, and 159 billion Naira as palliatives for states, 1 trillion Naira on student loans and other programs. And others include the 315 billion Naira to pay federal workers, 35,000 Naira allowance for six months, 1.1 $3 trillion naira to 50 million households at 25,000 naira per month for three months from October to December 2023. 70 billion nera are marked as palliative measures for lawmakers and 75 billion nera loan facilities to 1.5 million market women. The, the, the amounts...
3: Are billion, 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 billion. Just FVIA. listening
0: to billions <laughs> everywhere it, it's, it's enough to make you laugh. Well, to help us look into this, to help us see how we can Cut the cost of governance because it seems like um, if you are not um, a politician, I don't know what else you want to be in this life. That seems like a very lucrative and juicy job offer to take right now. <laughs> and that's why we see a lot of people gearing towards becoming okay. local government chairman, gearing towards becoming House of Reps and Senate, just going for those positions just so that they can get something to put in their pocket. Um, we're joined by Mr. Victor Menschak. A lovely morning to you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Abigail. Good morning, Emeka. Good morning. Good morning, morning senior man and
2: <laughs>
4: senior woman. <coughs> yeah, it's nice having you this morning. Good morning, Plateau.
0: Good morning, Nigerians. Yeah, good morning. It's a good morning, but a lot of people are not having it good as we speak. A lot of Nigerians are not having it nice this morning, and this is because while the country is going through an economic turmoil a lot of, some people seem to be having it good seem to be having it fresh or having it go well for them uh, mr meshak we've spoken about a lot of people who give that the solution that we need in this country we should cut the cost of governance we are having too many ministers too many this and too many does is that is that what would help us as a country well it's not
4: the only thing that would help us uh, for me I think uh, this country needs to be serious about its issues. And it goes back to the issue of priorities. What are we prioritizing? You know, the heroes of every society tells you what the priority of that society is. Mm. And if we look at what is happening currently in Nigeria, especially with the coming of this government, well, it didn't begin with uh, this current government kindly permit me to go memory lane, maybe way back through the last administration. Mm. If you look at the Bahari government, for the past eight years, the Bahari government, through their economic policies, have killed what we call the middle class. The middle class is a secessionary category of persons that will try to caution, like, like a step in the gap, to fill in the gap, to help in cautioning the effect of the economic conundrum that we are in. And because of how we killed the middle class, that is why the first effect is for us to assume the capital and in the poverty capital of the world. And the staggering statistics keeps on, keeps on growing in an alarming rate. And when this government now stepped in, the number one thing that this country, Nigerian citizens, holds so there to their hearts is petrol. And we know that our economy is petrol petroleum driven. When we don't sell it, we don't get money. And when we don't exchange or when we don't export crude oil, we cannot import petrol. And so these are some of the issues. Now we have come to be in a situation whereby our economy is in serious shambles. And the question is what is our priority? Because if we actually recognize that the economy is in shambles, the people are suffering, I tell you, there are persons today, I met someone some weeks back, he was just telling me he dashed somebody 400 naira and that person busted into tears and he was thanking him as if the person had handed over to him a 1 million naira check to tell him that if you know what this 400 naira would actually do to me and my family, people are suffering, people are sleeping in this country without food. And when you look at the policies of the government, I don't know. Yesterday, I was reading a news. A lawyer was challenging the president to kindly just go to the market of a common Nigerians and actually ask the typical market woman, ask her, how is her business? How is it going with her? And he would have a direct information on what the situation it is on the ground. So it goes back to the issue of priority. What is our priority? Hmm. Do we want to salvage this country? Do we want our people to enjoy? If uh, we want our people to enjoy, then our economy will be people-driven rather than politically-inclined-driven economy. Because why do I say it's politically-inclined? How on earth would you, in this dispensation, I mean set aside a chunk of money to go and buy latest models of cars to distribute to leaders of the people. These people that are going to be given the cars are actually employed by the people. Mm. And when we talk about politics, what is the data? Who is the poor of the poor? What is the data? What are the yardsticks? What, how did you arrive at the list? Because if we are talking about the poor, there must be a yardstick, there must be a measuring plumb. There must be something that we looked at. We say, okay, based on this and this and this criteria, this person is poor, that person is poor. Mm. And so this person is, will actually fit in to be given such palliative. So and aside the priority, we don't even think about sustainability. What is the sustainability of giving out 35,000 naira to the poor of the poor? Mm. Are we continue, shall we continue to give them this money?
0: It was, it's just for a time frame, from October to December. It's
4: not sustainable. Mm. It's not sustainable. Because if we're talking about this, we must have to give something that will be sustainable. Is it sustainable? How? Okay. Giving those persons. For example, when the federal government talked about increasing the minimum wage, how many percentage of Nigerians are civil servants? Mm. What do we do with those in the IDP camps? What do we do with those in my village that I know... Many of them, some of them are presently in the IDP camp. They don't go to school. They don't go to work. Some of them, they couldn't even farm. So what do we do with them? And they are not civil servants. And so how do we do with them? So we have to be all inclusive in terms of policies and programs. So saying that, okay, I'm going to give this for the next six months, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. We have to work a situation, I mean, an institution whereby everybody will benefit. So I am sick and tired of a country whereby we only talk but without commensurate action that will actually see that those things that we've talked about are being brought to limelight and every person actually enjoy. All
3: right. Um over the I just wanted to ask a few questions and yes. for clarity. I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to give us some form of clarity here. Over the course of the weekend, um I I, I wouldn't say I stumbled. I, I got a hold of a paper that talked about the economy of Britain and it, um the terribleness of the growth model and its liberal capitalism mm. and he got me asking a very fundamental question every serious government has an economic policy they live by either they would say they are a liberal market or they are you know contained um, uh, capitalism or a mix of capitalism and socialism That's my right. question is this government let's not even go far yes what is her economic policy Right now, from the last few months, what can we say from what we've seen is the government's economic policy for the country?
4: Well, it is for me, it is. Difficult to actually say this is the clear-cut direction of the economic policy because in one hand they are operating on the capitalist theory, in one hand they are going on the socialist, trying to empower the people. Going, but,
3: can I just to cut you? If we let's be let's Nigerians, yes, the socialist, um, the socialism path they are taking, uh, yeah. is it socialism for the good of the people? Or for the good of the politicians? It's for the good of the politicians. That's just true about it. Because
4: if we really want to help the people, we have to bring up programs that are sustainable, create more jobs. Many people are losing their jobs. With the increase in school fees, in tertiary institutions increasing. I met somebody two weeks back. He was telling me that he cannot go back to school. Why? Because when the school fees was... University of Georgia was 45000 He can just go out and do his menial jobs... And be able to gather some money... Go to his farm... Do some farms and do gather some money... And go and pay... But now the fuel has gone high... He cannot talk of buying fuel to water his farm... He cannot even get the commensurate fuel... That will power his tricycle... To see that he gathered money to contribute... And also pay his for fees. his fees... So as we are speaking except there is a miracle, but he cannot go. So if we are talking about the kind of socialist theory that is about people, that is people-driven, people-centered, empowering the people, we have to do, first of all, the need assessment. And I want to blame the government. Perhaps they didn't actually do the need assessment. If they had done that, it's a kind of armchair need assessment. Mm -hmm. Because in modern government, what is thriving in modern government is need assessment. You don't give me car because i need car or because you think i need need car car. you ask me what do i I need need. i'll tell you i need better hospitals Mm. i need schools i need secured environment i can go to my farm i don't need to be afraid of going to my farm i don't need to be afraid of being kidnapped i don't need to be afraid of going out in the night so these are some of the things if government had done a thorough need assessment going to get information from the primary source I think it will help the government to come up with a policy that is truly people-driven, not somebody sitting Somewhere. out there and imagining what some kind of... <laughs> if and I think they are just sitting down and imagining because the truth about this, people are not finding things easy. I know of students, as I'm speaking, they have not even registered their, their, for their school. They have not because the school fees is high. What they are doing to sustain themselves, to contribute... It's not there, and government is coming, it's not even helping the matter. I thought by saying we have reduced, I mean, removed subsidy, yeah. part of the money will be used to fund education.
3: Okay, um, let, 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 me, let me piggyback a bit. Um, you, know, you made mention of how our uh, economic policy seems to be almost nowhere. The other thing I have also noticed, and this is in the last few months, is that the IMF and the World Bank seem to be very quick to loan us money these days. I also know from history that whenever the World Bank are quick to give money to economies, so who's giving money to countries, it is either two things, either because they want the country to get better, or, again I'll say this without fear of evil, there's an ulterior motive to undo the economy. We've also heard, and this is something I think it was the um, senator, um, former governor of um, Edu State, uh, Madam Soshomale, also made mention of how we cannot always um, dance to the tunes of the World Bank and what they dictate for us. However. We seem to be going to the World Bank at every single time we need help to get loans. Now, the interest rates for these loans, I don't want to say them because I know the last mm-hmm. $800 million, the interest rate was, um, was not so bad, but and it was not so good. And we currently going
0: for a fresh four $400 million, yeah, million yeah, yeah. Dollars
3: loan. <laughs> My question is, as a country, should we be wary that the World Bank, in all of its, I'll use it again, no fear favor, in all of its cloaked concern for the country, are plunging us further into more debt? Or is it so much that we have terrible leaders that do not know what to do? Does the World Bank take some kind of blame in the constant handouts they give to us?
4: Well, thank you. Uh, I think, uh, well, to this, to this question, there are many sides to it. Maybe let me approach it from this angle. Now, looking at the World Bank, the, the IMF and the World Bank. Now, uh, I don't know if you've been following some months back, Kenya. Uh, earlier on, remove subsidy. Mm. Now, when they saw the reality, the harshness of the reality on the people, they have no option. than to re- reintroduce the subsidy. Now, removal of subsidy, it's a World Bank and IMF thing. Now, but some of these p- persons seated up there, they don't really have a first-hand information, like I said. Now, it's another thing. It's one thing for me to offer a suggestion to you it's another thing for you to accept it. Like I said earlier on, I don't think our leaders have the first-hand information of the situation on Do the you
3: ground. think they don't have it? Because I ask this question because I have heard stories of where in the International Monetary, you know, um, you know, Committee of Nations, there are certain do's and don'ts. There are certain things that should be done for you to remain in the committee. A typical example is what yes. happened in Zimbabwe, yes. where yes. because Zimbabwe government refused to do certain things, That's they right. were cut off from the from the uh, Monetary Committee. So, is it possible? Again, this is um, just hypothetical yes. that we we have been given some form of stringent, you know, measures, some form of stringent laws that we must obey by uh, obey to. Else will be cut off from, you know, the Committee of Monetary Nations.
4: There are guiding principles. Of course, there are. For me to give you loan, for example, when you go to collect loan from the Chinese, they don't give you loans in dollars. They give you your loan in their own currency. Yes. That is their policy and that is the law. So the choice now is yours to either accept it or not because you are the one actually came begging. So mm-hmm. it is for me to actually give you, there is a policy, there is a rules guiding it and you must operate by it. And, and I think, like I said, when you accept that and when you see the thing is not actually working, what do you need to do is to retreat, is to go back and look at the table. Because, see, in, the, the, in the, this closing um, month of this 2023, I don't mm-hmm. know how it's going to be with Nigerians. Mm-hmm. Eh? Last week, uh, my dad told me that somebody told him that he bought a liter of foil, 1,000 naira. A liter. A liter of foil, 1,000 naira. And if you look at it, fuel cues are just surfacing in our, some of our fueling station. Yes. What is it? These are intentional. This is as a result of failed leadership, failed institutions. So when we actually, like I said, if, I don't think they really understand what the people are feeling. Mm. Like one lawyer yesterday I was reading was challenging the president. Go back. Go to the common man's market and really ask the woman selling things on the
3: table. Mm-hmm. I, find, I, find, I find that funny. Yeah, but, but, but it's not true. They know what you're going through. They, they actually they know, know what are are you're going they are through. Not, let's, they are not let's stop excusing them and say they don't know. They do. No, they
2: do. I'm
4: saying they, hmm. they, even if they do and they are doing nothing, then they are not fit to be leaders because actually. the actual duty of a leader is to serve the people. True. It is the people that employed you. You were there because the people voted you. It is the people that gave you the power and and when the people that gave you that power are not enjoying your policies and programs you come back you change mm-hmm. you look at your know, situation do you think those other developed countries where you have stronger institutions when you have people that actually knows their power do you think they'll so misbehave is it, is it that we with- don't
0: have stronger institutions is that is that our problem because one of the other things that we have seen happening in um, and in, I'm not trying to, it might be allegedly, but uh, we see that um, people create more ministries, more positions. For for space. You have special advisor for this, special advisor for that, special advisor on even things that you don't even need special (laughs) advice on. You don't need anybody to tell you what to do in some certain aspects. We see that as um, Nigerians have already seen that as a means of siphoning money. You've seen it as a means of, you know, really not caring about the people. Uh, It's just that they've seen it as a means of compensation. I'm going to compensate you because um, Maybe just maybe you campaigned for me during my election. I'm going to compensate you maybe because my brother, sisters, uncle, the lineage, the family tree is quite <laughs> long and I just want to make peace with family. And we as you said, we don't see them putting into consideration the Nigerians that they are leading, the people that are under them, the people that actually even voted them into power. Now currently we can we have likened other clients saying about talking about their institution, talking about um how firm they are Mm. for Nigeria um, going forward, because we can talk about this problem over and over again. How then can we cut the cost of governance? How then can we get our leaders to see that it's not about you? It's about the people because come the next election, we'll still have the same problem. This will still Um, be at the front burner of our discussion. Even after eight years from now, Generations, my gener- generation after myself will still come and have this conversation. You'll be surprised that we, are, we will still be talking about this thing even in 2035. That is, it's a dynamic problem to us. How then can we get out of this? How then can we develop more, stronger institutions? How then can Nigerians not um, put this into effect? How can they say, okay, because we hear it all the time, you have to make your leaders accountable. You have to bring them to book. You have to do this. How then can they
4: do all of this okay thank you uh, yes it's actually possible for us to cut the cost of governance how do we go about it or sh- how should we go about it yeah. first of all let's have stronger institutions we have stronger people people that are bigger than the institutions in nigeria somebody somewhere can just sit down and play with an institution to favor him and so and so on now, so when we have stronger institutions, people will definitely be accountable. When we have institutions that are subtle with punishing offenders, people would actually sit upright. Why do you think when Nigerians goes, well, I mean Nigerians go to maybe the US or the UK, they obey simple traffic rules because there are stronger institutions and whoever you are, when you try to go against the law, the law will punish you and you cannot hide from the law. Mm. So first of all, let's have stronger institutions and we need to cut down on ministries and special advisors. Very lot. Senior special advisor on special advisors. Mm. You know, some offices that are unnecessary. Well, all of these things are in the form of compensation. And why? But when you create, create institutions that works out for everybody, an institution that you... Get to work in NNPC. You don't need to know a senator. Mm. You need to. You work in CBN. You don't need to know a minister. You will be employed on the merit on the basis of your your performance in an exams on what have you. Mm. That is how to help us cut the because cutting the cost of governance it doesn't entail okay appoint less ministers. It's making institutions work, making the people feel the impact. Have the people have some sense of belonging in your government? Mm. The court of public opinions be given credence. Court of public opinions is abuse. Mm. Though there are some public opinions that are uh, public opinions that are formed based on prejudices and sentiments. But whichever the case is, in every mess, I believe there is a message. So it's said. Mm. But however, we need to work out institutions that will work out for every person. And let's come out with priorities and policies. What is our policy as a nation? What is our national goal? What is our national goal? When we talk of education, when we say our goal for education is to leave every Nigeria better, is to empower and to equip every Nigeria with a certain skill. Is our education skill driven? I will tell you no, because that is where I'm coming from. Mm. I can tell you so on and so forth. When you talk about education in Nigeria... I, I I I know of some somebody that went for uh, went abroad for his PhD because he's from Nigeria. He has to take another master's degree because they don't trust that certificate. Mm. Yes, I know of that person. I know of some Nigerians that they have to be turned down. Okay, they ask you, okay, your 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 degree, your degree is not commensurate to the requirement that you needed to enter into our university. So let's have stronger institutions. Let's have a nation that is working out for everybody. Let's do away with nepotism. Let's
0: should we should away. we should we be practicing a culture of frugality? Well, Would that work for us? N- well,
4: uh, I wouldn't say yes. I wouldn't say no. Mm. Well, it all depends. Like I said, um, it's bounced back to all of us. The leaders are coming from within the people and the peoples are the ones voting the leaders. And so another thing that we needed to do to ensure that the cost of governance is being reduced is to really challenge our leaders to be accountable and let us hold them by what they actually said. When you pledge to have a better life to give better life to Nigerians and the lives are now better that you you have to be accountable now I, this morning I was just reading on the paper the government are trying to introduce or to regulate social media it's, it's, it's the issue of regulating social media how about the cyber security law that we have in since in 2019 in which the three cardinal points, one of it is to is to, is to protection of national security. Mm. If protection of national security, in which social media is, is 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 inclusive, then why are we trying to regulate? Because Nigerians have now resolved, in venting their angers through the social media, and so they are trying to regulate it. It's not the if even if you regulate it, the fact still remains. The cost of governance is high and the government is losing grip of its citizens day by day because the people are not feeling the impact of the government. The government Mm. seems to be caring about
3: itself. Final question before we go because uh, I read the message online. Um, One of the things you said, you made mention several times, is the need for institutions. However, we have institutions that were designed for checks and balances that is why we have senators and house of representatives the idea of a democratic system is that the executives do not have power in and of themselves that they have legislative arm to check them when they need to we also have that legislative arm do not make decisions in and of themselves they get to speak to the people and you know the people's voices are what they echo in those houses however It seems as though the two major decision makers, Mm. the legislative and the executive, seem to be on the same bed and eating off the same table. As Nigerians, what do we do then? If the people we have voted in to be our voices and to be the ones to checkmate the people up there are now, now, you know, um, um, people on the same bed, what do we do? How do we ensure? that shall let this us do what we need to do. Because like you also mentioned, 160 million Naira for one SUV mm. times 360 House of Reps members is 5.67 billion Naira of Nigeria's money. However, the same representatives say that the reason why they are collecting a 160 million Naira for one SUV, it is because the ones used to do their jobs. And I want to ask the Nigerian out there, when was the last time your House of Rep member came to your constituency to ask you what you need? haven't said all of that. What can we do to ensure our legislators do our bidding? Because it seems as though every single time we vote for them to go there, they almost always forget why they are there. What can we do? Is there a way that we can salvage something of all of this absolute madness that is in systems and democracy?
4: Yes, for, for, on the path of the citizens. One, I think we have to deal with the issue of illiteracy. Illiteracy is killing us. Illiteracy has made us to to relinquish the power we have in our hands. Now, it is because of illiteracy that we have given in to nepotism it is because of illiteracy that we've given in to uh, indoctrinations of religions and what have you, and tribalisms and what have you. Because uh, research has proven that persons that are illiterate would find it difficult to participate in active governance and to ask relevant questions from the leaders. Mm. Research has also proven that persons that are illiterate would tend to live the rest of their lives in poverty. Why? Because you don't have the knowledge that is needed to answer or to ask questions that will help your life to be better.
3: So on the part we must deal with the issue of illiteracy. How do we deal with that when the government has continuously removed funding for medication? Well, when we talk about illiteracy alone,
4: it's not the issue of it's not the issue of our uh, government alone. Communities we have community schools. We have community schools. The community, I know of a community school
3: could run by who? Governments or no, individuals? No, 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 the
4: communities. I know there are community schools. From my village, I know there is a community school. And where I'm staying, I know lately there is a community, a, a, a private school, and it has been called a community school. And the person has offered to train people to re- how to read and write. If you are interested, it's not a government school. So mm. we must have to understand because okay. the key. To salvaging us is knowledge. When Mm. you don't possess knowledge, you cannot, you are deficient. You cannot operate within the power of the knowledge to get that thing back. So Mm. illiteracy is one of the things that is killing us. And it is deterring us. When you want to ask a leader, when you want to ask him to be accountable, you see, certain tribes will rise up and say, hey, it is our turn, allow us to eat.
3: Is that, is that it, a function of education too?
4: It's a function of education.
3: Is it, is it, so I'm, I'm going to ask this question because yes. of certain um, persons I've seen. Yes. Like, you, like you mentioned, yes. when you want to ask certain persons questions as to their leadership style yes. and what they've done with the monies and the kind of decision they've made, yes. the people from their tribe will say, you cannot ask them that on. Yes. Too many times, and we've seen that these people who are rising up to speak against you, asking questions, are... What we call the most educated persons. some of them are professors some of them are lecturers some of them are the quote and unquote educated ones so if these educated people who are supposed to be the intellectuals to ask the kind of questions are shutting you down because they believe that your asking question is a form of vendetta against their person why then do we still think education is a problem well for the person like a professor who would rise up
4: and say don't ask don't ask it means he's deficient in terms of contributing to national discourse. If I want to contribute to national discourse, it has to be holistic. Simply because I'm a professor, possibly in certain field, does not mean I possess knowledge in the other field. Okay. So it has to be, first of all, like I said, literacy. There are different levels. I'm not talking about literacy here, because there are different levels that we need to possess literacy. One, in terms of engaging the government, Two, there are educational literacy, there are skill literacy, and also there is relational literacy, how you need to relate with one another if you are defic- if de- deficient in terms of relating, you are illiterate at that level. So when we see professors, and it is sad that the person that we, people that we think hold the compass to our thinking in our society are the ones misleading us. Then it is a sorry state. So what do we
3: do? I, I again I'm <laughs> going to I I know we have don't have a lot of time. Yes. Just to piggy, not to piggy, to connect this is something that that has still gone under the carpet. Some months ago, the House Committee, I can't remember the House Committee on what's in the House of Reps, we are investigating certain vice chancellors who have decided that they would not be put under scrutiny. And there were stories from Premium Times, and I say this because the, I, the, the person in charge of that committee is the, a representative from the Plateau State, I read the story. where some vice-chancellors were paying two million naira to a crony account. <laughs> the vice-chancellors and the committee have said it is not true. But till today, we do not have a report on what that committee have decided on. My question is, if the if the bedrock of every society's political discourse is bedeviled with corruption and nepotism, what hope do we have? Just recently, and we've seen this several times, where people of intellectual capacity, I want to think, are high, have come out to defend vehemently the blatant disregard for the law. When we had a three, the, the, um, the, the 460000 deposition the president, a certain senior advocate of Nigeria, Festus Kiyamo, came out to say that hey, because they accuse us say thief, no, me say thief. The same lawyer who called themselves learned colleagues came out to defend that hey, it doesn't matter if you went to school back in the days; people went no bookney to go school. <laughs> so my question is, if the foundation of knowledge is as it is, What is the hope that Nigeria would get better at all and that we'll hold these people accountable in the coming years? Honestly, honestly, if you ask me, let me be very honest
4: here until we go back and set the foundation right. You know, a faulty foundation cannot hold a building. You and I know. When this house we're in has a faulty foundation, all of us will be seated here with with our hearts beating perhaps this roof will fall down on us. True. So if the f- foundation is faulty, honestly, we must go back. And that is why for some of us, we are clamoring for a national conversation, a national conference. Let's go We've back. We've had
3: one before, remember? No, but, Not happen. Yeah, well, we had one before. You know what they said for the national conference? Yes. You know how many days did a national conference? Well, is there a report? What well, has been with the reports? Politics, politics, just started. So, do we, do we do another conference? Because again, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you short here. No
4: problem. If we had
3: a conference before, that a lot of brilliant ideas were put on the table, and nothing was done no. to the conference, what I said. Now, what are we talking about again? So,
4: we, the issue is politics. Well, I know it was during President, former President, Goodluck Jonathan, yes. and as the conference report was being given. He was, he was not voted to come back. And so the APC government came on board and jettisoned the report, in which I think uh, the, the, the report would help. Though the report was talking about the future of Nigeria, but the posterities of the future, the trustees of the posterities were not involved. The youths of Nigerians were not part of it, certain percentage of the youth, maybe let's say 60% should be youth and 40% should be the older person. Mm. So we need to go back and begin to begin to discuss this country again. Because it's, the, the one thing that is killing us is corruption. I, I, I did a research about how corruption is affecting Africa. And I've written my thesis on it. Lately, I've released a book on how corruption is bedeviling Africa. My focus was Africa and predominantly Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And if I... The the, the shocking revelation we are receiving is that I am am so shocked. And at this moment, at, at this moment... At this moment, we have to go back to the foundation because uh-huh. our institution, like you said, the, the committee of vice-chancellors, rectors, and provosts, that job at work committee, the House of Reps, yeah. these, these people cannot just come and lie. These uh-huh. people. And there should have been a rejoinder. And Premium Times printed, gave, I read the report from Premium Times. They yes. gave the account number. They gave the name of the person. They gave everything for us to check. But people are shifting away from the facts. To to make us believe oh. in what we call in what we call a makeshift reality. Oh. A makeshift reality cannot make up for the reality of
0: truth. Alright, Mr. Victor, thank you so much. We'll head on to our social media platform right now for your comments.
3: On Facebook, David Mark Sambu says, um, says, the APC enabled Government is the government we will say we have entered one chance. The government lacks vision and mission statement. The government is insensitive to the yearnings and aspirations of the people. Look at how President Nebu keeps emphasizing that masses should make sacrifices. Yet the government doesn't want to sacrifice anything for the common good of the country. The present administration is just callous and wicked to Nigerians. I should also add that it's almost 100 days since we last had um, you know, a federal executive meeting. Just saying. <laughs> Kevin Lewis says the government can gain the confidence of Nigerians by implementing all the promises they made. More so, they can also cut, cut down the cost of governance by scrapping that unproductive city chamber because the House of Representatives that has all the 36 states represented is more than enough to pass the bills for the interests of Nigerians. Fela factors factor says our leaders did um doesn't have don't have the masses as heart why the SUVs in this critical moment they have no human feelings in them Ayuba Moses Kwanga says our leaders are so wicked and to so worsen the situation it is the followers and representatives who are representing their stomach bulletproof cars is laughable Paul thought he says for Nigeria to cause down expenses in the country all depends on we the humans. If we are against the wickedness and support goodness, then we will do better in Nigeria. He says God bless you guys. Julius Achiga Kigama, I hope, says in Nigeria, politicians don't honor their campaign promises. That is why we are where we are today. For things to work in this country... Politicians must know that they are to serve the masses and protect the masses from insecurity and many more. And finally, Ayodele Agbabiaka says another loan to increase debt. Has this loan helped the economy improve at all? Why can't the government cut their salaries as a sacrifice to the people? I am not surprised with their policies.
0: All right, before we finally go on the show this morning, take your comments off Twitter this morning. Just a minute. I get across this and then yes um this is from phil adams he's saying sometimes i wonder what really is the problem of our leaders the cost of governance is too much they don't want to make for the betterment of the country instead they want who they govern to make sacrifices for them the way forward is to reduce cost of governance create the enabling environment for business to strive and let the government look at the cost of fuel and review it well we will we'll be asking for these things and um, i don't know would we'll ask and be tired to be really honest we're going to ask and really get tired of asking because they come again after another four years i'll give you light i'll do this i'll do that we shout yay and we forget we are very very quick to forget the past and look ahead but sometimes you need to bring out the past to be able to fix the future And before we go, finally, um, your final words, Mr. Victor Meshak, before we leave the studio this morning.
4: Okay, thank you. So, basically, what we needed to government should improve funding to SMEs, invest in education, let's have a proactive security. These are some measures that will caution the hardship of the people. Most importantly, let's have an enabling environment for business, where investors can come and those within the country can also operate comfortably. If not, we are headed to a conundrum that a disaster is a disaster waiting to be born
0: wow. thank you a disaster waiting to be born thank you so much mr victor mesha for coming on the show this morning yeah. also nigerians as they always tell us make them accountable remind them of the words they said that's why we have social media if you cannot reach your house of rep member your local government chairman as we always say the gen z generation the mm-hmm. sorosuke generation <laughs> at them on twitter at them on facebook at them on instagram at them everywhere tea they finally get to see do not stop just because you get one silence response doesn't mean you should fold your hands and give up because if the more we fold our hands the more comfortable they become so yes don't forget to be a part of the show this morning and don't forget this is J101.9 FM the news comes up by 10 o'clock keep your eyes locked on have a lovely day